previously on the Lupe and Royce show. We got new merch in the works. I mean, listen, can't, man. I can't give any way. I can't. For, I can't give anything else away. For a man for, to have a factory in his garage, it is unacceptable that we. It's still on the way. It should be done. Me, we should be counting dollars. I want to come on here and count money for a whole episode that with money that we made from this show, <laughs> right? For an hour. We're going to do that episode 100. To celebrate the 100th, we're going to count money. The Lupa and Roy Show is a Say What Media production. That was pretty good. Yo, what up? This is Lupe Fiasco. What up? This is Royce to 59 Lupe Fiasco. I ain't got nothing today. This is Tom Frank. I always got something. I'm a regular dude. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, listen, I am in my bag right now, man. You look at that. That shirt is yellowy as yellow can be. (laughs) What is on that shirt? Yo, you know what? I start reading things about affirmations and I start reading shit about manifestations and I start thinking to myself how I wanted to start manifesting money into my existence (laughs) because I'm so poor. (laughs) <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, did this remind me of cheese? You know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start wearing cheese. Everything you see from now is going to be yellow, green. Everything is going to represent the proverbial cash. Why Why was it like, why yellow are you shooting though? Like, is it, are you planning on robbing people? Because it was like guns and like, no, no, that's, you was like, that's the rapper shit. That's the rapper shit. Every rapper does this and has no idea why. So I got. So you're gonna wear. You're gonna shoot people and wear cheese. <laughs> no, not shoot people. Oh, this and you don't know why. We well, don't know what you're doing. There's people who That's... do this and have never even held a firearm. But that doesn't you include know. you. You you have multiple times. So when you do it, it's yeah, a little different. I know what it really signifies when I do it, and I will tell you what that is. It signifies me not knowing what to do with my hand. It's the truth, bro. It's the truth. Y'all ain't see that episode of Friends? Where oh. Ross was like, was it Ross or was it Chandler? He was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Wait, you watch Friends uh, to the level that you know like, the different names of different characters? Because I have no idea I what know, you're talking about. That was about, kind man. of impressive. I love Friends. I love Friends. Lou, you never watch Friends? Why? Because it's a great show. It was funny. Huh. Was it funnier than Seinfeld? No. Then so. why, Absolutely not. Then why would I watch it? Because it's funnier than Seinfeld, bro. Wait, Ooh. hold on. Hold on. Them heavy... No, Seinfeld's at the very top. It's a heavy statement you just made. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Is it, to, though? I'm willing to stand behind that statement, bro. Wait. Friends over overcomes Seinfeld? Absolutely. Is the scene that you just did with your hands, was that considered to be like one of the classic scenes of Friends? In my mind, yes. But I'm talking about outside of your mind, like in the general milieu of the Friends universe. You know what? <laughs> I, I watch the show and I'm a fan of the show, but I'm not really like into like the whole fan experience as it pertains to other fans enjoying it. So I can't tell you what's considered classic and what's not because I don't have conversations like this with, with fans of, of friends. Okay. So they're not, they're not your friends of friends. You're not friends with the fans of friends is what you're saying. 
Okay. I think I am. I think I am. We just don't talk about friends. We probably just talk about other things. I think everybody's a fan of friends and don't even realize that we're all one. All right. So you can speak a little bit for the fans of friends that the, the, mm-hmm. the scenario that you just replayed out with your hands, that's considered to be one of the pivotal moments of friends that just let me know. I'm not considering it's one of the pivotal moments. I'm saying it's one of my favorite moments. Okay. One of your favorite moments. Now, Tom, does that scene touch even the smallest of moments in Seinfeld, the hand, what he's doing with the hand, the gang banging that he's doing right now, doesn't even you, touch it. It's not bad. It's not bad. But, but, but Tom, Seinfeld? It doesn't Seinfeld? resonate with Tom. It resonates with me because I've had to do tons of photo shoots <laughs> and I have no idea what to do with oh, You don't think this face has done tons of photo shoots? No, I don't. It's not to say that I don't think you're photogenic, Tom. It's just that I don't think you've done a lot of photo shoot because your line of work doesn't call for you to do a lot of photo shoots. Me, I had to do tons of photo shoots, and I've never liked one of them. Not one. Wait a minute. I've never had a photo shoot. Have you ever seen Seinfeld? Yes, I have. Have you ever seen the one where Kramer decided to become super efficient? Remember this one time? And so he did. Mm-hmm. He tried to compile as many activities into one as possible throughout his day. Knows <laughs> <was> that scene <laughs> where he was washing all the food in the shower. So he. <laughs> oh, that is right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could laugh at that. I was too busy watching Friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. But wait a minute. Friends and Seinfeld, they were the Thursday night lineup, weren't they? Weren't they back to back? At a certain point, competing friends was on it. Like, what's that? I don't think they competed right in the same time slot. Is what you're saying? No, no, they didn't compete. They were they friends was on like at eight thirty, and Seinfeld was on at nine or something they, like they that. They didn't compete because there is no competition. It, but if they were both NBC shows and they played back to back for years, I don't know nothing about the, the network and all that, dog. I just know Friends is a great show. Seinfeld was cool. What do you mean Seinfeld was cool? Like. What are you talking about? All right, all right. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. That last comment, I was literally trying to trigger Seinfeld fans. I I I apologize. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but Friends is a better show. But that's just my personal hey, opinion. Friends. It's just my personal. Opinion. Ain't Friends got to down 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 down? Ain't that Friends? They're jumping around in a, in fountain. a fountain. Yeah. And uh, yeah, remember the fountain? Don't, at the don't, don't, don't make it sound. Like I'm that. not trying to make it sound like none. I'm, I'm just. Yeah, but Tom was though. Tom was. Tom was. I know what he was doing there. He was like, yeah, they're jumping around in a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Before we get in, mm-hmm. we we got a lot of voicemails last week. And I think it was because I announced the, the voicemail n- the number at the very beginning of the show. Which is my idea. So I want to, uh, which was your idea. But right. I'll, I'll do Can it we again. do it again? Let's do it again if right now. Want, mm-hmm. We're going to do mm-hmm. it right now. Mm-hmm. Come on. Call the hotline. 707-276-6261. Leave us a voicemail. Leave us a statement. Tell us what you think, friends or Seinfeld. Yeah, leave, leave us a diatribe. Longer the better. Nah, nah, nah. Please. Concise. Concise, man. What's the number again? Time. I might go on there. You're going to call in? 
You said it's, something about a diatribe. I love diatribes. I know you love a good diatribe. 707-276-6261. Now, the other thing I want to know, you, you got this concert coming up. April Woo! 15th. April 15th. April Liquor. 15th. Live. Let's Ooh, go. TV slash Lupe Fiasco. Get your tickets right now. NFT drop is now, April 12th. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I did. Now, now you are gonna you're gonna be appalled at what I did, but I I purchased two tickets so that I could give them away on this here show. Mm. Why would you do that? Why would you spend our money for something that I could have just gave us? I for spent free? my own personal money because I love the fans, Time. and so I thought this was a win win. Why you ain't just make two tickets in your garage? Well, that could be the case. And I'm um, sure that the money that you spent on it was made in your garage. So it's it's layers to your <laughs> hey, ridiculous. You can't fugues. be talking about that. Uh, oh, you we can't be about, talking about you that. You want to talk about counterfeiting, Tom? Huh? Live? No, we're not going to get into counterfeit. I don't counterfeit. Anyway. So wait a minute. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell people. Listen up now. Everybody who's listening out there. I got a pair of tickets that I'm going to give away to one lucky friend of the pod. And all you got to do to win these tickets is you got to follow... Me on it on on Instagram. Tom on Edge. I knew it Say was what something. Media. You're a piece of work. Say what media on Instagram, and then you got to tag a friend who you want that other ticket to go to. That's all you got to do. Do Except it now. Do it right now. Tom on Edge. Say what dot media. Tag a friend. I'm gonna give away two tickets. Now, Lou, I have a question, bro. Yes. So yes, right. What what is the two minute guest list? What's the what? What is the because my good friend Showtime Sean Porter? Shout to Showtime Sean Porter, one of the greatest, Porter, one of the greatest one of the greatest welterweight fighters, the homie. living right now. Beast. And you know how I feel about my boxing. I do. Showtime Sean Porter mm-hmm. is elite. He is top four top. easily, right in the game. He hit me up. And he said, whenever my brother Lupe Fiasco is doing anything, I'm front and center. True. Can you hook me up? Because I didn't get to it in time. True. Can you hook me up with getting me? It said the two M-I-N guest list. What is that? I have no idea what Sean is talking about. I will tell you this, though, Sean. You're not too late um, to get tickets. Not late at all. um, At all. He got tickets. It's a very. Oh, 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 so wait, wait, wait. It's something. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what he's talking about. Lupe, do you think you should figure that out? <laughs> the first reason is it's your show. And you want to know the little details about it. The second reason is. Hold on. I remember you not knowing where you were in Nigeria and then flippantly <laughs> saying, yeah, like, why yeah, would I know yeah, where yeah, I would want to be at? But yeah, anyway, but continue. We got to focus, brother. We got to focus. This is a double standard. Right Just want to let you know. Right now, we're talking mm-hmm. about your shortcomings, okay? Right. So you, you got to figure out all of the details of your show. You know what right. I mean? Like we're it's doing true. grandiose rollout. And then number two, Sean Porter, you kick your ass. Listen, first of I'm all, he'll whoop your ass too, just so okay, we clear. Let's make it fair. Let's make it fair. He'll kick your ass in the boxing ring. Yeah, he might. I got hands, though. You never know, man. In the boxing yeah. ring, you I mean, box ring and them, but but ground with ropes around it. So that's not true. The world is a boxing ring just without the ropes. That's not true, Lupe. Look, first of all, 
Showtime. What's up, homie? And it is true. He is not selling wolf tickets. Whenever there's a, said, an event and, and, and Sean Porter is in the building, he is front row rocking out with your boy. And whether it be in Las Vegas or Las Vegas, you know, but <laughs> he's great. He's a great dude, man. He's he a real a great good dude. dude, man. For real. We I love when he's a great, yep. great dude that'll kick your ass. You know what when, I mean? When, like, when, I maybe like people kick, kick ass. I like when great people kick ass. Maybe, maybe the two minute, maybe the two minutes he wanted to be on the show for two minutes. What two minutes are you talking about, huh? I don't know. Royce is two minutes. I say, Royce, get him on for two minutes. What he sent me, what he sent me was something about the guest list. I mean, maybe there's just a guest list. I don't know. Um, I don't think there's a guest list. There might be. I don't, I don't listen. Sean, if you're listening to this, I'm going to do my due diligence to find out what it is you're talking about. So, uh, So, so me and Royce don't have to jump you at the next yeah. event. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't want to have to jump you, Sean. So, like, if you Lupe can't, can't figure it out, <laughs> I'll buy, I'll buy two tickets for Sean. Wait a minute, Royce. In case I'm being extorted. You know. What Wait I'm a minute, Royce. I'm putting that out there. Huh? Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. If you follow me at Time on Edge and go. follow Say What That Media, you, you might go. win those two tickets. Here you go sliding in, sliding into our <laughs> friendships, Tom, trying to just sneak yourself in there real hey, sneaky. Like I'm giving Sean the opportunity to like win it, two tickets. I don't like I don't like what you've turned win two into. Tickets. This, what episode is this? Thirty. <laughs> I've seen you slowly become 30. something uh, real ugly over these past thirty episodes, man. Just want to let you know, <laughs> Fame is is a wicked mistress, and she is a. Uh, you doing her bidding right now, you know? Just want to leave it there. Shout Showtime. Tom, slow down on the drinking, Tom. Slow down on the drinking and the hookers, okay? Just relax. <laughs> Just relax. We got you. We got your back, bro. All right, let's go. Yeah, of your friends is all you need, bro. That's all you need. Boom. Keep it going. Boom, boom. All right, before, before boom. we get into some more comedy, though, I do need to ask you guys about DMX. Yeah, man. Mm. As a horrific thing that's happened. What, 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 what did, A, wait, what, do you guys know anything? And B, have, have you worked with him? What, what do you know? What do you know? I never worked with him, never even had a chance to meet the dog, but mm. man, I got nothing but the utmost respect for him and everything about him, you know? And I don't know any details. I just know what everybody else knows. They, from what I'm reading, it's an overdose and he's um, fighting right now. Basically, mm. like he's not in he's, he's not in, in, in good condition, you know, so that's all I know. I don't know what he overdosed on. I don't know what this what the situation is. I don't know. I know everybody's just kind of like throwing prayers up for him, mm. you know, so, prayers for the X-Men. It's, man. it's a sad day in hip hop. The dog is even going through that. Mm-hmm. man. He's been it seemed like he's been fighting his whole career. You know, what I mean, I met X. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I met him multiple times. Um, but very specifically, uh, X came to Chicago to work on, it might've been a movie or either a movie or an album. But anyway, shout out to my homie Kato, rest in peace to Kato. Um, my homie Kato had, uh, bought this studio called Chicago Tracks, um, and had was either bought it or was leasing it out. But anyway, uh, had a record company called Denaro and, uh, because, uh, X was in town. He was working with Kato. Real, they got real close and hooked up to the point that there's a song when Kato passed away. DMX put a song out about him called uh, "Ayo Kato," 
um, like a rest mm-hmm. in peace song to him and, and his family and stuff like that. And so, you know, we was real cool with Kato and that's just meeting with X. You know what I'm saying? X was always around racing cars. He, he lo- loved to race like these little remote control cars, was racing through the streets and we was right street from the project. So he would just be in Cabrini Green, just chilling, doing whatever. Um, so yeah, man, like that was as personal as the closest I got to him just being around that situation. But, you know, fan of his music, you know, a student of his music, you know, studying, mm-hmm. studying joints, you know, even to this day. And my, 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 my business partner, Chill, Free Chill, he was a huge DMX fan. You know, huge DMX mm-hmm. fan. And, uh, you know, I mean, DMX is just an impact in the game in so many different ways, you know, like so many different approaches and so many different things from the sound of his voice, you know, as a voice of hip hop, one of those, irre- those recognizable, irreplaceable voices in mm-hmm. hip hop. And then just the energy that he brought, you know, to the, to, to the, to the space. And at the same time too, you know, the, the industry's small. So you bump into people who bump into people who know people who work with people. And I mean, you know, X been dealing with issues his whole, the, this whole ride. You know what I'm saying? At least for the most part. You know, it's, it's in his music. It's in his life. It's in stories that about him that we, that have come up before and stuff. And he's always just been, 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 you know, coming out the other side unnecessarily unscathed. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. with the scars of it. And this one here is just, you know, from what I've read, I didn't really know the depth of how deep it was. But mm-hmm. I mean, this one is back. Like, it's like, you know, when we heard about Dre, um, recently, it was, it was kind of like some, you know, is, is bad, but there's, you know, it ain't as, oh man, Dre, da, da, da. Then you get updates on, oh, it's kind of cool. The updates that I've seen from X have, have, have not been that same kind of way, man. So, you know, prayers to him and prayers to the family. Um, and hope he can come out of this in some fashion, in some capacity. Um, but, you know, it is something that is, is serious. You know, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. And the situation that he's in right now, the position from what I understand is very serious. As lyricists and just as people coming from the environments that we come from, like we have our transgressions that makes us that we have to battle. And then we also have coming into the business as lyricists, especially as a hardcore lyricist. In X's case, he's a hardcore lyricist trying to figure out what kind of music to make that can be successful in today's climate or whatever days, whatever the day is that you come into the business. And he's like the only dude who I've seen who was able to take a hardcore style and make it translate on the big stage so many times in a row. Like this mm-hmm. dude went, man, he, I don't think, what, what did he go? Like 16 straight in terms of singles? Man, I don't think he missed. I don't think he missed in like 16 mm. from get at me dog all the way up to, I don't even know what the last one was that was like extremely successful. It was like 15 to 16 joints and it may have been more. I may be shortchanging. I don't think we've seen that. I don't think we've ever seen that from a hip hop artist, mm. especially not one from the streets. So that shit is like, and then he also had two platinum albums in one year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's another that's another hell of an accomplishment. You know what I mean? So he he definitely put some real work in, man. I I definitely gotta commend him for that, man. Yeah. Give respect to the dog. So now you said something interesting. So you said about we all have kind of our ups and downs. Do you think 
I mean, to me, like a great artist, right, has to have some demons behind them in some ways, right? Because you have to pull something from within you when you're writing, when you're kind of creating music. It's not just like flowers and, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it comes from your past history, right? It comes from kind of the ups and downs of your entire life that kind of make great music. Um, I mean, I can't think of it, uh, somebody who hasn't been through something that has made themselves into a noteworthy artist of some of some type, whether it's music, whether it's painting, whether whatever it is. Um, I mean, what do you think of that? Is that is that true? Is that not true? Hmm. I think historically, um, by statistic, maybe that's usually what it's been. But I don't, I don't know if I could say that that's what it would have to be to make a great artist. You know, I think. Um, I think if you're great and you manage to, you know, you manage to dodge the, the the drug bullet and the alcohol bullet, and you come from a, you know, a decent home, you can still, yo, my son, and I'm not trying to plug anybody. I'm not going to even say his name, but my son is really, really good, really, really good. He's a singer and a producer. He's really, really good. And he ain't been through shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I mean, you know, like it just, I guess it just depends. You know, like um. Maybe you can be like the child of a, of a great artist or you can have like greatness in your lineage. Like I know Drake had Drake had like um, Drake got like an uncle who was like a musician and his dad was like a musician. Sometimes I feel like the music can just be in you and it doesn't have to come from some, you know, some sad or some tumultuous story. It can just be in you and you can just make the right moves and just focus on that and just live in the center of the truth of that. And I think that can be great, too, you know. But, yeah, historically, Tom, historically, there's been it's been like linked to a story of re- of craziness. Yeah, because like, is it in like, you yeah. or is it molded around you? Meaning that whether you went through a hardship or, as you're saying, if you're raised in a family that music, it, 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 you know, there's a certain level of appreciation for music. Like your son probably would have a better chance in the music industry than my son who didn't grow up necessarily – and not 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 about social economics or anything like that, but just purely his dad is someone who's in the industry. He's been around music for his entire life. I think confidence plays a big part, and that's a that's a really dope confidence. way to build confidence early. And um, I think um, finding that finding that um, that musical inclination at an early age, and then knowing knowing the proper way to nurture that at an early age, just gives you a little bit of an advantage. You know, that's a good point, too. You don't see a lot of musicians who started at age 40. I mean, it's not that it's that that they can't, you know, is like, what does that mean? Like musicians who get record deals and put out albums or just people who just want to just play, you know what I'm saying? And may not necessarily be. Somebody who's just in a cover band, you know, or somebody who just likes to play mm-hmm. and fiddle around with things at home. So I think it's levels, um, levels, it's levels to the game, but there's devils on every level, you know, like there's, there's different folks who have different kinds of demons, you know, so like, you know, people in my family coming up now, um, stepping into the music space, you know, like my nephew is trying to like, he, he winking at it, you know, and I listen to his music and I'm like, man, you went like, what, what? I told my he, he sent me the music. I was like, I got questions, homie. And uh but then I had to remind <laughs> myself, like, you know, just because you came up in a certain 
uh, way or in a certain area. And we have, we have kind of notions of like, well, you ain't lived a life that I live. Like you didn't have to go through the things that I did. Then when you start to backtrack, you're like, yeah. you, you kind of did. You was aware of who was who and, you know, the, the uncles and the mm-hmm. friends and the different folks. And some people chase that, you know, out of interest. Just like, I want to know what that looks like. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. all it takes is one night or one relationship or one connection. And before you know it, you write that next to the demons that, you know, the people who came before you were next to. Uh, or in a different mm-hmm. way, I mean, you know, you could be that person who was super duper just away from the 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 nonsense of things. Right. But because you got into the business, business opened up so much opportunity. So it took something that you were probably able to yeah. manage, you know, or something that wasn't even an issue for you. You got introduced to it in a certain way by a certain person at a certain time in your life. And then it was just an ever flowing amount of that. You know what I'm saying? To, to take it to like drugs, to take it to that point, right? I mean, you might be too broke to get us to have access to a certain type of drug, right? But when you get in the business, you might go to a house party and it's eight keys on the table. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm. just like the thing to do. You ain't got to pay for it. Now I got you, I got you on the blunts. I got you on the this. You cool. You got you on whatever liquor, whatever, or women, whatever, the, whatever your vice may be. And some people was like just the super, you know, goody two shoes, so to speak. They get in the business and they become monsters. You know, mm-hmm. and you don't know until you get into that space that you like. And even if it ain't something as dire as drugs or or women or, or some nefarious like that, you can maintain a, your same relationship that you had when you was a, a teenager, right? It might be, man, I bought twenty cars, you know, and eighteen chains and fifteen houses and you know eight jets and and you just now you're the money monster, right? So you're just buying all kinds of shit, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, or, or people get in there and they take advantage of you. You know, you get in the business, you kind of don't, you've never experienced that type of service or that type of access. And then people like, oh, they wet behind the ears. We're going to take, we're going to take advantage of this dude. And you see that take in, advantage in, of them, in yeah. sports, yeah. you see that in music business, you see that in, and I'm sure it's happening in the uh, tech space. You know, dudes coming in like, man, you know, you need to get the crib and such and such. And you got to get this and you got to get that. And then we got these then we got this over here and you got to have that. And you got people, people get sucked up into that, into that life. So everybody got their demons, man. It's just how you deal with them. I, I agree with that 100 percent. And I feel like adapting to the demons that your greatness attracts is one thing. But then one could argue when you get into the business and then now you're adapting to these new demons, your greatness got you to this point. Well, I guess one can argue that your demons is not what got you to that point, that your greatness is what got you mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And now you have to figure out how to balance your greatness and adapting to these demons. You know what I mean? So my addict mind tells me that the people who are in that position, let's say if they were able to make it out on the other side unscathed, demon free, then that's just greatness. Mm. that didn't require demons but mm. then you got some people who their adaptation to the to the demons starts to turn around even better music mm-hmm. and that's like a whole nother thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. hey man it's all good it's all evil <laughs> you know what i'm saying that, like it's the, like it's like a the add-on is like the demons can start to eat away at your talent. There's that piece too, right? Like mm-hmm. there's like 
you start could ruin to, your talent. Could, yeah. yeah, it could like take literally take your voice away. You know what I'm saying? Literally take your make your vocal cords, you know, unable to produce the same tones, you know, as before. It could it could strap out. It could pull. They could pull away your inspiration to even want to perform. Right? You might be fully intact, but you just so mentally beat. You like, man, I don't want to go on that stage. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to share this anymore. Right? Because every time I share it, it's a cost. And I think that's one of the things. Like, there's always a cost. It's never just constant rise right like you come into the business it's gonna mm-hmm. be a cost you know you sign a contract it's gonna be a cost you get that 50 city tour it's gonna be a cost right you get the money it's gonna cost you got to pay for the money you know shout to you know kendrick how mm-hmm. much a dollar cost mm-hmm. right like all of that comes with some consequence and sometimes there's people who know right and they can grab you and educate you and some people don't right you might have a whole new set of consequences that you got to deal with that ain't nobody experienced before and you the one that's finna get drugged through the digital era you know, the social media era and pick up all of that. And then you're going to be the person at the end of the day that the next generation will be like, look, how do we navigate through this? And if you so beat up or so isolated hmm. that you can't function, you know, then it's a whole new group of folks that's just heading off of a cliff. So I think it is about, mm-hmm. you know, educating yourself on the reality of the consequences of your greatness and the consequences of your demons. And knowing it's a double-edged sword on both sides, you might be able to get high and be like, man, if you get high, you know you're going to write 100 songs and you're going to be in the studio for three days and you're going to be super productive. But like at what cost? Mm-hmm. You know, you got all these platinum plaques, three day- but then you owe in. Three days worth of, three days worth of garbage ass songs. Did <laughs> <laughs> you listening to it like, this is great. This is great. You fucking come down and listen to that shit like, geez, this is terrible. <laughs> No. <laughs> it also changes, though, over time, right? I mean, you, the, your predecessors did not have to deal with the same things you're dealing with. You guys have to deal with social media. To me, as a musician who has the status of both of you, I don't know how you deal with that. I don't know how you deal with people who now have access to you like they never would before and can criticize the living hell out of you every day and can do it directly to you through Twitter, through Instagram through like that. I mean, that's a different landscape, right? And I never thought of it until I, you know, I look through your stuff and it's like people attack the shit out of you sometimes. It's insane to me. Yeah, it's all perspective to me. I mean, that's one way to look at it, but you can look at that same thing through a different lens and say, all of these people have a direct, a direct connection to you and you have a direct connection to them. So Mm-hmm. All of these people could be saying good things about you, depending on what you're doing. You yeah. know, you know, like because of social media, these guys are making a lot more money than we made just off of the basics, just off of the foundation. Like I wasn't when I got when I first got into the business and I, and I got a deal. I went on promo tour. I wasn't just artists weren't just touring all the time. Hip hop artists weren't just touring all the time, like due to social media. The touring space got bigger. Like fans mm. start wanting to be more interactive and fans start wanting to be in the moment as opposed to, you know, reading credits and waiting for some shit to come on TV. Everything became on demand, even shows. You know what I'm saying? So touring just took on a whole new thing. And then, you know, like then came the fucking um, festivals start jumping off. You know what I mean? And you're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars that you can just make just off doing shows if your music exists in a certain space. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's a cool part of social media to me. 
that's one gotta, of the, that's one of the upsides of it. Yeah, it come with that. It come with mm-hmm. you just got to know how to manage it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you know how to manage that space, that's different. But that all it takes is one. And I would say the majority, unless you didn't did something that's just so out of pocket that you just get a wave of everybody. But the other side of that is like the majority of it is either good is good. The comments are actually good. You know, if you're if it's yeah. your fans, right? And they 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 with you from day one or they stepped in on a particular album or like is the majority of the comments is good. It's normally just like one or two, right? Or three or four. And then that becomes your attention because you get so used to just, man, everybody want flowers. But if somebody throw a tomato at you, you, you focused on the tomato now. You so, end up focusing on that tomato. Yeah. So, so a certain degree. And then if fancy you focusing on tomato, then they're going to be focused on the tomato, right? So what I do is I just let the good fans kill off the bad fans. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I let them do that. And then I just kind of step back. But at the same time, too, you just got to manage your relationship to that space and maintain. I'm all for maintaining a certain distance, you know, just to, just a little buffer yeah. for yourself between that and understanding what that really is, that what that compartment really is. You know, and that's why I was even that. So that's why I was kind of hesitant from jump Tom, to even do a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's you like were. when I did the yeah. podcast, it was like, all right, then I'm not going to do IG live no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, something has to die. Like, I can't just be consistently all over the place with fans. You can't like, have that much access yeah. all the time. No, that's a good point. But you have to admit, psychologically, I mean, you're obviously a little bit more mature on this, but like up-and-coming artists on social, I mean, that can take a psychological, you know, battle with you as you, as you kind of put new stuff out there and you read that. I do think that you they end up focusing on the negative more so than the positive. Across the um, but but that could take that could take a major toll on people. And not to cut you off, but you mentioned our predecessors. Like if our predecessors are broken down, chewed up, and spit out by the business, and all they speak about is the ills of the business, what it's gonna do is gonna make us afraid coming into mm-hmm. the game, afraid to make mistakes, afraid to be criticized. You know what I mean? So I don't want the youngins coming after me to only be focused on the fucked up parts of the business. Like it's there's 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 young artists that come in who are literally afraid to do record deals. Nothing wrong to do record deal as long as you are aware of what's fair and what's not. You know what I mean? And you yeah. you have like a team and you educated yourself. There's it's ways to educate yourself. You don't have to sign a bad contract. You know what I mean? The problem with with us is we didn't know what was bad and what was not. We didn't know who to trust and who who we could. You know what I'm saying? Who we couldn't trust. Mm-hmm. And we also a lot of us didn't know how to do the research and I'm already not a natural. I, I'm already like study habits is not one of my strong suits. If that was the case, I would have went to college. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So being able to like diligently study things and, and find out the real answers to things is one of the things that's tough in this business. But due to social media, a lot of the information is a little easier to to get a hold of. And then like artists and like me and Lou's position, it's very important that we share certain information to make sure that the youngest coming after us don't, you know what I'm saying, make the same decisions. Other, if, other than if not, then we failed. You know what I'm saying? We failed them. And that's kind of like how I look at it. That's why I'm always so transparent and like forthcoming with information and shit. Mm. And the, the, the cap on it is some of these some of these folks, they come into the business already cooked. 
You know what I'm saying? Like what the business would have done to our predecessors um, that led them down certain paths. But throughout their career, you got you got folks coming in that are all that already come in with addictions. Right. That already come in with certain, you know, these dudes is trying to kill them like they come in. It's not everyone, but it is a, 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 a strata of at least our space. Right. Where that to come in is to have that, right? It's almost defined that if you want to do that, then if you want this type of uh, career access, if you want this type of platform or a push off or whatever, right? Response, whatever. You you got to come in with a certain cachet of weapons and a certain cachet of this and cachet of that. Um, where they, they they come in already susceptible to you know police officers and and rivals and you know the 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 drugs themselves and all this other old stuff. So it's interesting to see um, you know how the game has changed over the past like few years, where people are coming in um, and not as the gangsters like gangsters, but with a with a habit you know already cooked in, and that's what you singing, rapping, talking about. And it's mm-hmm. it's like you get into the business and it becomes like, man, that's your M.O. That's your lifestyle. Right. It's not something that was given to you by a, a dirty manager or, you know, somebody you got. You went to the club and met some girl and she introduced you to something or something like that. It's like you came in with that. So it's 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 a strange it's a strange place. But again, it's that that double edged sword on both sides. You know, it's like you get all the success. But, you know, there's the potential for because I, I think back to, you know, kind of framing the, the DMX piece. Um, I think about Juice World. You know what I'm saying? I think about mm-hmm. kind of other artists who came in and and OD'd in a certain capacity, passed away. Rest in peace. Um, and it's like, you know, at a certain point, how do we address or can we even address? I think we can. How do we address you know, addiction in the music business. You know, how do we address addiction in our space? You know, what what do we provide? Um, what's the narrative that we want to try and you know put into folks, or what assistance or help do we is is waiting for people and as they come into the business where their music speaks to them having certain demons? Like, what is it to be like? Okay, look, go get the money, do the concert, but look, we want to make sure that you come off on this side, right? We want to make sure you get steered into at least at least analyzing what your issue is. And understanding that you don't need to do that no more. Um, I say I look at it the same thing with people that's overweight in the business. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing of mine. So whenever I see some of the homies that are like uh, overweight, um, I get in their DMs. You know, I get in their comments. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, man, make sure you, you know, yeah, make sure you don't eat no sugar. Make sure you do this. Make sure you don't do that. And it's not to big myself up, but it's to show them like, yeah, that's that's more important than your music. You know what I'm saying? That's more mm-hmm. important than your concert date. You know, big homie like. I'm, I love that you that you that you paying attention to that, and you got to make the decision for yourself. But know you got the support to like, yeah, yeah, hit them extra miles. You know what I'm saying? Plus, we got the we got the Music Cares Foundation. That's through the Grammy Foundation, and they do fucking great work. If I hadn't if I hadn't even been on a sobriety kick, I wouldn't even be aware of, of that. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even think that there was anything in that space, you know, to deal with like sobriety, mental health care, and all of that stuff. So. I mean, and it's hard to it's hard to talk about a lot of that stuff without it being viewed as like, okay, these are just the older cats. Even if they look at us like they still kind of cool, but they they they're they're the ones who's like been through it all 
And that's that's just them. It's like trying to tell the youngins money ain't everything. Yeah, okay, that's because you got money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like some of the stuff people just got to go through themselves. You know, and that's 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 the best teacher. But I just hate the thought of like um, these youngins going through these things and being able to say y'all didn't tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be one of those OGs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I want to be one of the ones where it's like Royce told me. Royce told me because that's how I feel about my dad in a lot of scenarios. That motherfucker was right. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> we all say that. I go. Day. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, man, it's just crazy. I mean, the other thing though, some of these guys are going through things that you didn't experience. I mean, some of these artists have grown up with social media like we didn't do, um, and they know how to use it to their advantage. I mean, look at like a guy like uh, Twenty Four Golden. Right. I mean, you guys familiar with, with that song Mood? I mean, he basically made that off of social media. Like he he knew how to leverage TikTok and all these other things to actually kind of create that from the ground up and the, and the swelling behind that song. Mm-hmm. That's something that's that's different than, than you would have been able to do because you didn't grow up in that era. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. It's always been the artists and the youth and the way that they have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. You know, there was a point in time where labels were able to be like the big corporation that can come step in and take credit for everything. But because of social media, they can't do that anymore. But I honestly feel like it's always been that way from all the way back to fucking run DMC. You know what I mean? Like the fucking, you know, no, no shoestrings in the, in the top tens, you know, or in the shell toes with the, with the big tongue sticking up. You know what I mean? That's, that's like a global phenomenon. You know what I mean? Probably still to this day. You know what I mean? You wouldn't be you wouldn't look too crazy with some shell toes yeah, on you would. strings. You would look crazy. You would? <laughs> you would look crazy. And it's funny that it's shout you to You would look crazy. Shout shout to Reverend Ron. That's the OG. That's the OG of OG. We got a song together actually. Um Well, I definitely I definitely still wear shell toes. I put the shoestrings yeah, on. Yeah, you put the shoestrings in them. I was just <laughs> thinking like your name is Run Run DMC. There's no way you're running in shell toes without shoestrings in them. You coming all the way up out of them. <laughs> Oh, if you put the, if you put the fat laces in them, then you definitely you telling on yourself. You telling how old you are. But if I seen the youngin doing it, I, I would think that was that was fresh. I would think that was fresh. I would think we were dealing with somebody who knows a little bit of the history. That's always cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I guess it, I guess it's how how you do it. I guess it's a way to do it and it, it'll look crazy. But I think it's a way to do it and still look cool. Somebody can pull that shit off. That's funny. I got somebody a, cool. Run DMC. I got a song with with Run. And I got a song with his son, Diggy. For real? It's like the whole on the same song? Nah, nah same not song? the same yeah. song, different song. Diggy used to Diggy Diggy used to be on the label with us, I think. I think he used to be at at Atlantic for a little while. Mm. Anyway, shout shout to the uh to the Simmons fam. Reverend Run. What's up? Yes, yes, yes. That's 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 hip hop royalty right there. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. All right, fellas, one of today's sponsors is BetterHelp. We got a lot of pressing mental health issues in the world today. What do, you, what do you think the most pressing one is? I think it's the stigma associated with mental health in underserved communities, Tom. And I think it's about being comfortable in your own skin, being who you want you to be. Sounds like a time to recommend our sponsor, BetterHelp, which provides professional counseling in a safe and private online environment. Lou, tell our listeners how they can benefit from BetterHelp. You can start communicating with a counselor in less than 24 hours, schedule weekly video or phone sessions, send messages anytime, 
and even change counselors for free if needed. BetterHelp's licensed professionals specialize in topics like depression, stress, anxiety, trauma, and anger. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, affordable, and anything you share with your counselor is confidential. Get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Lupe and Royce. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash Lupe and Royce. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the 5'9", and Tom Frank. Are we starting to see a little um, light at the end of the tunnel with uh, this virus? I think June 15th, uh, June 15th, California opens. Like all the way. Yep. How you feeling about that, Lou? Um, it's weird, right? Because the, 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 I seen some in about Detroit where Detroit cases were kind of going up a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a, I think what we're starting to see is the effects of I'm not taking no vaccine. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what we're witnessing right now. Cause there's vaccines available, all different kinds. There's Johnson and Johnson. You get the one shot, Moderna, two shot, uh, Pfizer, two shot. Like there's, and it's open, right? It's like, if you really, really want to get it, you can get it right now. I think you can get I, it. I think at April 19th or something like that, I think uh, the president announced that it's going to be available to everybody above 16. Um, and I think they're just starting to do tests for kids. So eventually when they run through those tests, you have an advisor for kids. I think that's what we hitting, man. I think at this point, it's like folks are just, we're, we're, we're now we're hitting those people who are not going to take the vaccine. Like they just not going to take it. It's not like I don't have access, which it's like, I'm not going to take it, you know, which, which is, bothers me, right? There's two mm-hmm. things that bother me right now is that we still have a lot of people that refuse to wear a mask. And who just flat out refused to take the vaccine. And I, I don't comprehend it. I, I was reading an article the other day. It was a woman in Dallas. And she said she didn't need to take the vaccine because um, God designed the body to heal against things like that if you eat right. Yeah. Like that to me is – I just don't understand it. We have a vaccine and you have the ability to wear a mask. It's that simple. Why can we not all do this? What am I missing here? She says she's not wearing a mask either. No. You look across Florida, Texas, New Orleans, people are not wearing a mask. You you go visit these places, you might think that we're nothing's changed, that everything's normal. Mm-hmm. It it blows my mind. I cannot comprehend it's, why it's, people it's a, refuse to take the vaccine. It's a narrative of like, you know, to add on, like there's the narrative of things are open, so things are back to normal. If they're back to normal in Texas, then they have to be back to normal in Detroit. And if they back to normal in Detroit, then they got to be back to normal in New York. So there's that I'm not wearing a mask thing comes out, of, I think, from that, where there's like even folks who are, who are vaccinated should still wear, still wear a mask, at least for this period of time, right? Because you can still carry. Absolutely. Right? You can still carry the virus. So, but it is that when you look across a state over and it's fully open and been open for two weeks, three weeks, right? You see, uh, I was just watching a battle in our space, uh, uh, Royce. It was a battle of, of like Cassidy and Hitman Holla down in St. Louis. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Right? Even it was just it was just everybody, like mad people on stage, place packed on each other, no mask, nowhere Nobody to be found. Masks. And I was like, "That's St. Louis," you know. And I could just picture that that's happening all over the country, you know. Remember, these vaccines at the jump were meant to take care of the vulnerable population. Right. 
it was like even when you think of the lockdowns, all the social distancing, all of the masking, everything, right? It was more so like we need to make sure that we don't overrun these hospitals, right? That was like the first thing with the lockdowns. And that was it. It was like take care of the, the most vulnerable. And when you look at the push for the vaccine, man, who were they giving it to first? They were giving it to the older folks. You know, they were giving it to the to the medical workers, frontline workers, stuff like that. But all of these programs were meant for the most vulnerable, right? The folks who would die if they caught COVID-19, right? And they that population yeah. is pretty much kind of taken care of, right? At least at this point. Now we in a, in a weird space where it you really could be like, you know, just playing devil's advocate. You really could be like, you know, I don't think Leroy going to die. You know what I'm saying? So if he catch it, he might catch it, be sick, da 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 even if he give it to such and such. But grandma vaccinated. You know, auntie vaccinated, mom vaccinated. So, yeah. you know, so there's that aspect that is at play as, at play at well. I mean, but the, at the end of the day, we just know we're going to be dealing with people that's not going to take the vaccine. Hopefully there's enough of us that will and that have that can lead to some type of herd immunity. But even with that, I think coronavirus is going to be with us forever. You know, I don't think it's ever going to go anywhere. And we, and we just talking about the states right now, right? The states is able to do all of this stuff. There's yeah. other parts of the other parts of the world where it is bad. It's still bad. I mean, we've jumped way ahead in terms of the vaccine. I mean, over the last three months, we went from a country that was way behind the ball to we're way ahead in terms of people that have taken the vaccine, distribution of the vaccine. I mean, we have three legitimate vaccines out there now. I mean, you're right. You can, if you want to get vaccinated, whomever you are, you can do it right now. You can find a way. You put yourself in the queue and get there and, and do it. But some people, yeah. they're not going to do that. Like they're not getting back. Those same people like, I'm not doing it. You can just show up and yeah. bump into the shot. That's what I did. What I am seeing is people who were kind of on the fence, who didn't like, I'm not taking it, but they wanted to wait and see. Now that they see that it works, you yeah. see them like, okay, I'm going to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've experienced that personally. Well, that's so, good. But yeah, man. COVID is here, man. It's going to be with us for a little while. Hopefully there's no... The issue is, hopefully there, it's not like no variants. Because, you know, we creating the variants. Like, as it getting us, you know, it's spool up in us and it learns something new and then we cough it off and give it to the next person and it's new. They It pick up something new. So the hope is that we don't get a variant uh, that comes back around. You know, once, you know, the, the, the vaccination kind of wears off over a period of time, they're still studying to see how long it's going to last. But the, the worst case scenario is, you know, everybody who getting vaccinated right now, about this time next year, we might be coming up and, you know, re-booster shot. But in that window, it could have been uh, a low level kind of mutant floating around that just hits everybody when they're susceptible again. And we right back to fucking square one. Hopefully that's not the case. But. You know, the other thing I was reading about is that the social distancing and the isolation over the last, in essence, 12 months has actually started to make changes to people's attitudes about things, meaning that more and more people now don't necessarily want to go back out into crowds. They, they have more anxiety about being around a lot of people. I think people have like fundamentally changed over the past 12 years or 12, uh, 12 months that like we might i don't know i don't think we're ever going to be back to where we were before but i could be wrong i mean you guys said like st louis they're out doing their thing again um i just can't see it that way anymore i, I don't think we're i think there's people have just dramatically changed their approach to so many things on so many different levels it's a big pivot definitely a big pivot 
don't know. I think we can go. I think we can get close to being back to normal. Why not? I mean, at least people carrying themselves like everything is normal. You know what I mean? I think we can go back to we can go back to stadium shows at some point. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be enough people getting vaccinated, especially if they have like vaccination vaccination passports and you know what I mean, like vac- vaccination cards or whatever it is that they're going to like implement to show that you've been vaccinated or however they're going to do that. And um, I think they'll just have it. If enough people get vaccinated, they'll just have events where you got to be vaccinated to get in them. I think that's probably that'll be close to, to normal because what, what percentage of the population is just all the way against vaccinations, no matter what, no matter what their business is. They don't fall into any categories where they got to ever fly anywhere, anything like that. How big of a percentage of the population is that? That might be the tipping point, too, though, that you can't do certain things. I don't know. I can't ever imagine that happening where they say you can't do certain things unless you're vaccinated, unless you show your card, unless you show your proof. I mean, I don't know. I mean, heck, we can't even get rid of assault weapons. And you're telling me that we're going to tell people they have to be vaccinated. To do I something? mean, but there's those people that aren't going to move around to your point, right? Like they're not going to go nowhere. Like they're going to stay in Texas. You know, you don't ever have to leave, you know, or the places that you could already go that you would be going to normally ain't going to have them restrictions. Like how many people from the fly to China? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like how many of the average American citizens are going to go to some random place uh, that has certain restrictions or stuff like that? It'd be more so where they like, I I'm not going, you know? Uh, I just think at a certain point, it it's not going to, it's not going to matter because as long as the, the most vulnerable is taken care of. I think that's the top line, like high level conversation that's been had, right? Like as long as we can maintain, as long as we know that it ain't going to decimate the children, right? So we lose the ability to even have a a next generation, right? And as long as it's not just overly decimating, uh, you know, the older folks, I mean, we're willing to roll the dice on the middle. I, I think that's the high level conversation, right? Like, yeah. I mean, as long as the older folks are taken care of, we know that the kids, even if they do catch it, they're not going to die from it. Uh, and we know that we can put it in place where the kids got to be vaccinated because that's already kind of in play in schools and different places like that. Like, I mean, there's legislation trying to come down a pipe to, to get people to opt out stronger. But I mean, at the end of the day, those yeah. those people, they're like, man, get take your little ass to school. <laughs> you know, like at the, the end of the day, your morals or your whatever your politics are to not get your kids vaccinated. You like nah? They, you need to go to school, you're baby. Do but, it just to get them in school. Um, but beyond that, man, I think in the middle ground, you're gonna have. Uh, I think you're gonna have a majority of people that's gonna still kind of stay in line, but it's not like a super majority. You know, I, I think you're still gonna have forty yeah. percent of, of that that middle group. That's they who they are. That's who they're gonna be until the next pandemic comes. You know, in the next five years, six years, when we have another, uh, and hopefully that isn't as mm. lethal. You know. That is that isn't lethal at all, but there's a chances for a new one to come through, and it'd be flip flop. It'd be like it, it hit a baby and it's over, you know. And you're really looking at yeah. like extinction level events for humankind. So I hope that if you even if you're not gonna practice and do what the, do the due diligence and the solutions like the vaccinations and stuff that that can solve this right now, I hope it's in the back of your mind that this could potentially just be a warning shot. Right. For the next thing to get your stuff in order, because the next one that might come, you know, it could be lethal to the point where, you know, the human race as a whole 
you know, and that's not something to say. That's not something to say lightly or for hyperbole or just like oh, Lupe Wild. Like it could be that it could. If some could hit um, us that we don't have a defense for, that you ain't got nine months to put together a vaccine or a year. Like you ain't got something you can turn around in a few days. You know, it might be the end of mankind. And I say that with all level of seriousness. So I hope that's in the back of people's minds how serious these pandemics really are, and that we actually kind of got off. And I, no way to disparage the the death. And the suffering that people have went through, even, you know, people that I know personally. Uh, but it could be worse on the next one, you know? So just keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Keep that in mind. I was getting, I was seeing light at the end of the tunnel, and then you just... Snatch that down. light! You saw Royce's, you saw Royce standing at the end of the tunnel in his sunflower shirt. Bright yellow sweatshirt. You're listening to the Lupe and Roy Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to Five Nine, and Tom Frank. The Lupe and Roy Show is a production of Say What Media. Have you thought about hosting your own podcast but don't know where to start? Working with Say What Media is like having your own personal producer, editor, audio engineer, and distributor all in one place. From equipment recommendations to engineering and distribution, Say What Media handles the boring details so you can focus on saying interesting stuff. Get started at saywhat.media. You're listening to the Lupe and Roy Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Hey, are you guys uh, Godzilla and uh, Kong fans? Did you see that that, that movie came You're out? You're up topics for us to just chew on, huh, Tom? To fill the space, to fill just, the dead I, air? I, 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 no, I, I, I'm very curious. You know, like, to me, that's another a sign of light coming. That was the first big-time movie that's come out that box office numbers have been significant for both seeing it in a theater as well as watching it at home. What movie is this? Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, shoot. Have you seen yeah, it, Tom? I figured Lou would be the first guy in line. Have you that's, seen it? that's a Japanese original film. I haven't seen it yet, no. Yeah, you shouldn't watch it. Well, have you? Yeah, I watched it. And, and it was yeah. bad? Just like that? You're just so flippantly that it's I ain't got bad? time for this no more, man. I ain't got time to sit through, we're going to see Coming to America too, huh? Like, no, we're not. I already know what that is. When did when did it come out? It came out like a few days ago. I think. It just came yeah. out. What last weekend? Two weeks. It ago? shouldn't have came out, man. Like I'm. Listen, I appreciate the hard work of actors Ooh. and grips and directors and DPs and uh, uh, costume designers and 3D artists. The whole credits, you know, the credits, all those people. Like, I appreciate your talent mm-hmm. and your craft, right? And your capacity and your capability. But no good. But I'm just telling y'all that this particular film that y'all put all that effort into was a fail, goddammit. This is the first time in regards to um, in regards to movies, blockbuster movies, that I've heard somebody give a shout out to Grips. Grips that's, are important. That's fucking incredible. That's great. And costume designers. It's the behind the scene caterers. You know what I'm saying? You got to accept. You got to accept the man's criticism at that point. Yeah, yeah. Take it, baby. I've been on many movie sets. You know, many TV sets, video sets. When those credits rolled at the end, I mean, those grips and those fucking costume designers—they see their names, but not everybody else does. They don't know who Sarah McConaughey is. People be walking out the movies when that shit is rolling. They ain't interested in Lupe be sitting there. 
He'd be sitting there reading all the names. Like, damn. That's why you need some funny after the credit stuff in there. You got to get people to stick Clinton. around. Oh, Stella. Stella Noveski was a fucking guy. There you go. We got to show some love to Amazing. the Stellas, to the James, the, uh, <laughs> the Lindas. You know, it's always a Linda in there. It has to be a Linda. The Brendas, the Brendas, the Lindas. But overall, the movie was a sham. And uh, a thorough waste of time. Now, wait a minute. Are you comparing that to the original? And you can't therefore, compare it to the That's what you're going to do. You can't compare it to the original. The original was a dude in a suit walking around looking crazy. Like, that's the original Godzilla. <laughs> was a man in a suit. And the sound, his voice was the sound of a gate. It was like the gate at the studio was his voice. That's some, some fun fact for you. The gate at the studio. That is a good fun fact. Um. But no, man, it was terrible. Maybe I got to go back and watch the original. Yeah, it, was, it was a terrible film. <laughs> I listen. Shout out to the lenders. Shout out to the, I made terrible songs. So I, I put it on myself. I made some trash. This movie was, was terrible. Of what songs would you compare this movie to? We're not getting into that. We're not getting yeah, you You're the one who people, opened the door up. You want people to go to YouTube, check the songs out. This ain't his fault. This they fault. That's Linda's fault. Terrible. Hey, let me let me drive some traffic to my bad songs because they made a bad movie. No, that's not fair. Hey, I was trying to give you some traffic to bad songs through the use of a bad movie. There's always a marketing angle here. No, because whenever I do that, it'll be a fan out there who's like, man, but that was my favorite song. My baby was born to that song. So I've learned to just mm. shut my mouth. Good point. I, I must say, I've never made any baby makers, I don't think. I mean, the act of the baby being born, Roy, it's like the baby coming out. Not the baby going in, but the baby coming out. Oh, oh. oh you're right. Right. Because we all have Lupe Fiasco music on when the birth of the child is Kick coming push. Out. I can see that. Kick push. It's about mm-hmm. babies, man. <laughs> It makes perfect sense, bro. You guys ready for a fan question? Let's go. I got two good ones. He just shot at the camera. You see that, Tom? Uh, He did this. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Playing duck hunt right now. All right. Oh, you remember that scene? You know, I'm so good with that. Royce, do you remember that? Speaking of movies and making guns with our hands, do you remember? Police Academy, uh, the dude who you ma- who used to make the sounds, Winslow. Winslow. Oh, yeah, what's his remember name? He, remember in Police Academy, he was playing a game, but he was like by mm-hmm. himself, and it wasn't a game, and he was just making. He was making all the, he was making all the sounds. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That dude is fire. Whatever happened to that dude? Nothing. We should get him on the show. We should get him on the show. We should get him on Tom, the show. Do you? I'm gonna go find him. Don't Police find, Academy, don't, don't, dude. Don't find him in my DMs, Tom. Slide all up in mine. I don't care. I'm gonna go look for him. Use use Lupe's DMs to find people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find that guy. I got yet another challenge. Anyway, I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Fan question. All right, fan question number one from Avinish in India. 
We got fans all over the world from India. This is for both of you. What is the single most important thing that you, as an artist, want your listeners to obtain or extract from your music? That's going to be evolution for me. Evolution? Evolution. Evolution of me as an artist and evolution of me as a person. So evolution of the music and evolution of me as a man. That's the single most important thing to me right now. Detroit. And these Detroit. red dots, those represent the new COVID cases. <laughs> what? In Detroit. <laughs> See how they going? They represent the what? Yeah, they just what did you up? say? <laughs> the COVID red cases? Dots, they represent the new COVID oh, cases. Oh, the new COVID cases. Oh, okay. Um, I want them to extract merchandise from my songs, and you can get that merchandise at shop.lupefiasco.com. You can extract yourself a wavy pair of sweatpants, official, and you can also get yourself coming soon. We got new drops because we got new merch dropping for the show April fifteenth. So I want you to extract some food and liquor, hoodies and hats. It's, it's, it's violently good. So I want them to extract merch from my song. I want them to wear the song. That's what you want out yeah, of this song. The, no, no hidden meaning, just purely merch. Listen, I'm not. No, he kicked my. He, his answer kicked my answer in the ass. I, I liked your answer, Royce. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as. Well, I like his I'm answer. not as stand up and as humanistic and a good guy like Royce the Five Nine. I'm a capitalist. <laughs> What's wrong with being a capitalist? Why cap? Why capitalist got to be bad? Why does that got to be a bad thing? It isn't a bad thing. I think capitalists get a bad get a bad rep, man. Ooh, I just caught this Jay Z lyric the other day. Um, <laughs> see, see what I'm saying? Jay Z. We said. We say. He said most cats. What he say? He said, "I didn't caught." We say I didn't caught small cases trying to get capital. It's like ooh, ooh, cases small lowercase ooh. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done, Jigga. Well done. Yeah, he's a word guy. He's a word guy. He sne- he'll sneak all that shit right in there on you. Tom is like, I don't get it. I I was looking at the next question. I would, is yeah, he a capitalist or not? I don't fucking know. Listen, Tom. Who's a capitalist? Everybody's a capitalist. Tom, Everybody should be a Tom, capitalist. Tom, ask, ask the question. Oh, you want another question? I want some spaghetti. I'm hungry. Oh, no, no, no. I, Lily's got a question. Lily's question is deep, and I, I expect a deep answer from you. Yeah, I know what What I is the most pressing question. issue of our time that we should be work, working towards to solve? COVID-19. <laughs> Boom, done. I would say the mental health crisis. I would agree with you on that. Let's start with just in America. I think um, you have people with mental health issues, and that spills over into other issues. It spills over into into the way that certain people are being policed, right? And then you also have the disparaging access to mental health care in America. And then that causes a stigma in the underserved communities surrounding mental health care to where us that come from those areas, we don't even want it because of what we what is preconceived to be. 
So I think the mental health issue is just one of those things that just keeps taking on new forms in different spaces. You know what I mean? So that's that's like the the, the most pressing issue because it's it's one of those things that you don't necessarily have to talk about. COVID to me is right in your face. It's on the news all the time. You know, some of the numbers are real, some of the numbers are not. But mental health and and the stigma surrounding it, you got people who literally think that it's just for people who have issues. And just being able to talk to somebody, even if you don't have issues or if you think you don't have issues, you can figure out that you have issues like myself just by talking to somebody. So I think mental health care is just one of those big ones that's easy to overlook. It's just like alcoholism, you know, like alcohol is the is the is the is the biggest magic trick that the devil has ever conjured by far. You know, what I mean, like it's it's cool in movies. It's marketed to you 24 seven. It's not really judged until your life is in fucking shambles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in this sport, it's by far to me the worst drug known to man, you know, and mental health is somewhere, you know, like it's somewhere interwoven into that in some shape, form or fashion. There you go, Tom. Smart, articulate, meaningful, powerful, demanding of praise. Race to five nine with an answer and to your question. And worthy of spaghetti. Yeah, I'm not doing all and that. Worthy of spaghetti. But I actually, you know what? I did it when I mentioned my whole COVID situation before when we talked about COVID. So you got the double dose. Yeah. We do this, man. He did. He did. Quit playing with us, Tom. Yeah. You guys are. Quit playing with us. You guys are that good. You we guys are that good. You're very professional. Oh, hold on. Wait. I do got to give a shout out to a local business. No, we don't do this. But they're gonna pay for it somehow, some way. Actually, they actually pay for it. I want to big send a big shout out to Drebo's mama. Now, <laughs> Ooh. what? I heard somebody's mom. Shout out to my homie Drebo. That's actually his name on uh on Instagram, the homie Drebo. Uh, give him a follow. But he and his family started a restaurant called the Trilliard. Um, it's a Jamaican restaurant and and market um out there in Los Angeles. And I was able to partake of some of his mama's special weekend fried chicken. And when I tell you, brothers, ooh, man, it was delicious. Right? So much so that I am now thoroughly addicted. And I don't know how I'm going to survive weekend by weekend, especially through Ramadan, without this chicken in my life. It's going it's to be, be some suffering. Now, wait a minute. It's called... Debo, as in like the guy from Friday, no, or no. rest in peace, Debo. Tiny Lister. No, Drebo. It's my home. Drebo, not Debo. Drebo. Shout out to Drebo and on the Trilliard. So on the weekend, slide over there and get you some of that fried. Tell them Lupe sent you, so they can start giving it to me for free. Hmm. Mm. Do they do they ship to Maryland? Why would they do that? Why not? If I got a fucking bomb ass place, I'm not shipping to Maryland. You gotta come. You gotta go get it. Tell him Lupe sent you. I'll tell him Lupe. Sent oh, you know, you know what you got in your neighborhood, Tom. You got uh, El Pollo Rico. Oh, we did. Man, yes. El Pollo Rico is, is fire. Shout out to my shout out to my friends over at El Pollo Rico. I will see you soon. Wait, man, how do you know about that? Don't place? worry about it, man. I'm famous. Thing. And wealthy. Okay. 
Yeah, he, he, got, <laughs> so you know he got connects on all sides. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm wealthy and famous. That's the line right there. That is the line. Yo, what up? This is Lupe Fiasco, and I enjoy these two wonderful brothers right here, Royce and Tom. What up? This is Royce to five nine, and my brother Lupe shouts out grips. And uh, <laughs> I'm being extorted by Showtime Sean Porter, who is one of my favorite fighters of all time. And uh, me and Lupe Fiasco may possibly have to jump him one day. I'm down to jump. Boom. I jump. I jump. Shut And this is Tom Frank. You're listening to the Lupe Roy Show. And remember, Mr. Sean Porter, follow me on Tom on Edge. Say what? Dot media. And you might just win those two tickets. Spoken just like a friend who don't have a friend's back, right? He didn't say nothing about him extorting us. He just said, remember, follow Follow me. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Hey, Lupe, Royce. My name is Saint. My pronouns are they, them. I'm from Detroit, and I wanted to thank y'all for doing this show. But specifically, the both of you have said things that have been of allyship and of support of the LGBTQIA plus community. And I want you to know that we see that and we appreciate it so much. It does not go unnoticed. Thank y'all so fucking much for everything. Have a good day. Peace and blessings. Hi, Lupe, Royce, and Tom. My name is Ines, and I'm from Chicago. Shout out, Lupe. Um, I just wanted to send y'all some love and thank you so much for everything you do with the podcast and also your music. I also really appreciated your last episode where you addressed the issue with guns. I really appreciate you guys talking about topics like that. I think it's really important and you always have very good insight. Thank you so much for everything and lots of love. Yo, what up? This is McFly out of Austin, Texas. Just want to shout out Lupe and Royce and Tom. Loving the show and can't wait for the Food and Liquor Live. Peace. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or follow. Leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. The Lupe and Royce Show is a production of Say What Media. It's recorded and mixed by Claude Jennings. Our head writer is Lauren Sloat. I'm Tom Frank. And our theme music is by, who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the Five Nine.